Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Welcome back, Femme Fam. Thank you, as always, for listening. We have another fantastic guest for you today. Um, This guest we found through Instagram, which we tell you guys all the time, like it is such a good resource. You know, you think it's just for fun or building a following or whatever, but like it is such a great resource to network and to find people to work with and in our case to bring on to the show. So Carolina, would you like to introduce him? Yeah, today we have David Proctor. He's a director of photography um, based in London and in LA. He is also experienced um, working in different countries, which I'm so excited to hear more about how he's got to work in Europe, Africa, Asia. Um, And then as well um, about him, he has recently filmed Make Me Famous, was his latest project that is out on BBC. Um, He's filmed The Innocence on Netflix, worked on that, and currently working on Disney's Black Beauty, which ah, I love horses, so (laughs) that's so exciting. Um, So, David, welcome on. How's it going? (laughs) Thanks for having me. Uh, all, All good, thank you. Good, good. Um, Where, so you're from the UK for sure. That's where you were born, raised, grew up. Yes, that's right. That's right. Amazing. And is that where you first fell in love with film? Like, did you go to film school? Tell our audience, how did you get started? Um, I went to art college because I knew I wanted to do something creative, but I didn't know what exactly that would be. Um, my education was fairly academic, so I didn't, I didn't know that you could work in the film industry. I know that sounds crazy, but it just wasn't something on the table. It, wasn't, um, it, it didn't feel like a reality or even an option to pursue. So through art college, I discovered 35mm photography, and that led to shooting videos and short films. And quickly, as soon as I experienced that world, I knew that that was me. I knew I had to pursue that. I couldn't believe that that could be a job. I, did, I couldn't believe that that, that that was something I could actually pursue as a career. Yeah. Um, so I then went to a three-year BA, um, and then um, I studied 35 mil, 16 mil um, through uh, National Film School in the UK. Uh, but I didn't do an MA. I went straight into documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any contacts at all. As I said, I, I didn't have any exposure to the industry. So I basically fought my way in. I clawed my way in in London. Um, It was tough um, with sort of no contacts, but I started building relationships with rental companies, shooting documentaries, shooting short films, traveling to film festivals to meet directors. And by by doing so, just built up a network of people who 
I sort of began my journey with, um, or, or, you know, through my career. So, you know, I attached myself to directors who I'd, I'd do their short films. And then when they mm -hmm. did commercials, hopefully they'd give me a call, that kind of thing. So building those relationships and also building relationships with a rental company um, was really good for me to, to utilize the equipment they had, learn the equipment and utilize the equipment. I did, I did AC uh, for a period, but um, I was a terrible AC and that was <laughs> never going to work out. <laughs> so I stuck, I stuck more to operating and documentary in terms of my onset experience in the early days. And uh, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. Nice. That's really inspiring um, to hear like, you know, you didn't know anyone. You just started from straight from school with, you know, no real experience, just knowing what you were doing from the training in school. But yeah, to really, you know, get to where you are today just by meeting people and just snowballing it from there, you know, building your network. And that's great. I mean, that's it's inspiring to hear that that does work. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it does. It, I had to be extremely proactive to make it work. You know, mm -hmm. I... I quickly realised that the film festival circuit in Europe was, you know, Europe's very small uh, in, in scale, really, and you can get around very cheaply with all the budget airlines. So I quickly realised um, where I could, I'd get myself to film festivals. And often they would then put you up, they'd, they'd put you up, they'd feed you, they'd give you drinks. Like, all I really uh, was sort of put out cost-wise was, was a budget airline flight to Romania, to Italy, to, to France, wherever it might be. And I started meeting directors and um, I think the most pivotal festival for me in terms of relationships with, was Cameron Marge Festival for the Art Cinematography, mm. uh, which I've been to now 10 times over the wow. years. And um, that was an amazing place to meet, you know, camera companies, lens companies, lighting companies, as well as their distributors and all their rental companies. And you start to build relationships and you quickly realise that, you know, everyone wants to support you on your journey and mm. everyone wants to be part of that journey. So you know, I, I think utilizing those things, I made amazing relationships, which, you know, some of the, some of my longest relationships are people I met in my first years at festivals. Nice. That is so cool. When you, so yeah, I, you wouldn't just stick it like to film festivals in London, you would go travel, start to travel around to different countries. And is that how you started getting jobs and like these other countries was networking with the directors from a specific country and they'd fly you out. How did, how did you start to migrate? Over? Yeah. I mean, that, that's partly it really. I mean, what's interesting about film festivals as a cinematographer is you don't get many cinematographers at festivals. Mm -hmm. You find that festivals are absolutely full of producers and of directors. So it's a great place to be as a cinematographer because you're like this kind of, you know, bachelor wandering around with business yeah. cards. I'll shoot your film and there's no competition really there. So it's a really great way to meet creatives and future collaborators, hopefully, but also you're in a position where you can say, look, my film's screening on Tuesday night, come along. Um, or my film's screening on Sunday afternoon, come along. And you, you, they can see your work firsthand. You can mm. meet people, you can click or not, you, you know, you see who you really want to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, yeah, it was pivotal for me. So, you know, I met a number of key directors in my career through film festivals. Um, oh, and exactly yeah. that, you start to build relationships with, you know, directors in Portugal, directors in Bulgaria, all of these different places. And also, just because you're in a festival in, in Bulgaria doesn't mean you're just meeting Bulgarian directors. There's obviously directors there from all over the world. So you, I'll meet yeah. American directors, I'll meet Japanese directors. And yeah, you're just starting to build those relationships. And then one day, hopefully, they give you a call and they say, hey, you know, you want to come and shoot a film in 
in wherever in in in, in Latvia. Let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> Where? What's up? Okay, awesome. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> no, that I love that you said that. I find that too as a. a producer director like where the position Tess and I are in we always want to meet more cinematographer cinematographers director photographers like we want to meet you guys so come to those festivals (laughs) like please more of you because you're right and you're like no no no, less competition but no like literally (laughs) that's how you that's how you got your start and I, I feel like it's really important um I wish more people knew that because those are the people that we constantly are looking to meet more mm-hmm. of and, and to create those relationships. So that's, that's really cool that it, that I'm, you were smart enough to like hustle and get in there, be proactive and like make those connections. Yeah, um, Cause it's, it's kind of the thing, you know, like out here in LA, there's a lot of people work in film, right. But there's so many actors specifically. <laughs> and so, you know, when you go to like industry networking events, it's tons of actors just meeting other actors. And it's like, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to help each other out really if they're just actors and, you know, and it's, you want to meet people that are doing what you can't do. <laughs> so it's good advice listeners. If you, you know, if you yourself are a cinematographer or basically anything besides an actor and like producer, please go to these festivals. Like people are dying to meet you and you will have a leg up on the people that aren't going to them. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I must say as well, you know, you can do it cheaply. Um, You know, my early days in London, uh, like I said, I I didn't have contacts. I didn't have financial backing. I didn't have anything. So, you know, I was selling coffee machines on the side to pay the bills while I was kind of chipping away, trying to get, you know, one or two days on set each month or whatever I could get, just trying to survive. And if I could get the money together, I'd get a cheap flight. I'd fly to Italy. I'd go to a festival. I'd come back. I'd do whatever I could just to claw my way in. And it's, you can do it. It's just, you've got to be, you know, relentless with it. Mm-hmm. so inspiring I love that yeah I love the the visual of clawing your way in it but like that's the hunger you need to have and like the the drive to like really put yourself out there too because it's yeah. also not just showing to the showing up to the festivals but actually showing up trying to talk to people like is there did you find that that was something that came to you naturally or something that you had to like work at becoming better at you know, the, everyone talks about networking as like, oh, like some people just like, you know, it's not always our favorite thing. So how did you get like really good at that? I would say I would say it is it is something you just get better at by by forcing yourself to do. I don't think it was something that came naturally at the beginning, you know, walking mm-hmm. into a room of you know 400 people not knowing a single person. Um, but you you start doing it and you realize a lot of the people at festivals are also there alone or there with one other person and everyone's there for the same reason. They're there to meet, they're there to network, they're there to have the conversations that you want to have. So, um, I I think the more you do it, the more natural it it becomes, but there is always an element of nerves, you know, getting on a plane, flying to, you know, a film festival in a country you've never been to before without a single person, you, you know, you know, you never really know how that's going to be. But yeah, I, I think but that's kind of the beauty of it. It's like maybe everyone, like you said, like maybe everyone's in that same boat, like feeling the same way. Like it's all like this new discovery of like film culture people, right? Oh, totally. I mean, I, I met I met a director called Simon Ellis, who's a fantastic UK director. I met him at a film festival in Romania in a yeah. bar. 
Um, I knew his work already. I loved his work. And, and finally, I met him and we sort of had a few drinks. We got to know each other. Ended up spending a fair bit of time that week talking. Anyway, we, we've been working together for the last 10 years. Um, and then also, I then went to another film festival in Hamburg with a film I'd then done with Simon. So in the years after that experience, yeah. I'm at Hamburg Film Festival with Simon. He introduces me to a producer called Sam Haley. Sam Haley ended up introducing me to Dwayne Hopkins. I shot my first feature film, Bypass, with that director and that producer. Sam then went on to produce the second feature that I shot. So these are all relationships that had I not put myself out there, which would never have happened. So it's, it's, it's something I felt I had to do without those connections in the, in the first place. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so amazing. I, I love hearing that. It's it's really inspiring. And as um, a reference point for our listeners, I mean, you know, you're now you have a show on BBC three and Netflix and, you know, like these relationships have gotten you to a point of real success. You know, it's not just that you're working and paying the bills like you're doing some really cool things. <laughs> you're doing some cool shit, David. You're doing some cool <laughs> shit. Um, you're also represented by the worldwide production agency, which, uh, coming as an actor first, like I thought really only actors, writers, directors had agents, but, um, what, yeah, what is, what is the WPA and is that something that's helped your career out? And I'm just fascinated by like what that experience and, and having someone like that to represent you has been for you for other DPs out there too. You know, what can you, what can we learn about it? So um, a relationship with, with an agent is, is integral to success as a cinematographer, really. I've been with WPA for, I believe it's five, five, six years now um, in the US and internationally. And then I'm with, um, I'm with another agent in Europe called Wizzo and Co. And oh, I saw that too. Yes. I've been with them for 10 years now. Okay. So that relationship is absolutely integral because much like an actor picking your roles as a cinematographer, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of that side to it too, as, as well in, in choosing the right projects, because the type of work you do it generally breeds more of the same type of work. Mm-hmm. So an agent can be really integral in managing your reputation and helping you make the correct choices or the best choices for your career and the direction and the way you're steering it. Um, I'm not always particularly aware of my reputation let's say but my agents will say to me you know hey you've you've shot a few too many car commercials lately you know you're becoming the car guy and we need to rein that in a little let's get you on some more drama stuff let's get you on some more um you know traveling jobs and more more food more more human more beauty um, because it's all getting a bit too car heavy and then and then you know it, it pushes the other way and suddenly it's like you're not getting as many commercials you've been doing loads of drama work and it's, it's really good having someone else to help you make those decisions because, you know, when you're presented with multiple scripts and directors and what you're going to do next is your next project, is, is, as is the same with acting, making the decision of what to do, you know, which, which is going to be good. If the script might be great. The director might be great. You don't know that the film's going to be great. There's so many variables. So for me, my agents, I've got an amazing relationship, amazing friendship with my agents at WPA, WPA and at Wizzo. And they're there to really help guide me and, and, and discuss every project that I take. Even if it's a two-day commercial in Brazil, they will still be, there will still be a lot of conversation around whether I do or do not do that. Um, so it's been great wow. for them. Yeah. No, well said. Um, to put that into perspective, like it's just, yeah, it sounds just as important as for an actor as it is for a cinematographer DP to 
to choose that. And that's, I did not know. I did not know. I didn't either, honestly. And I think <laughs> like, like, you know, if you're not personally a cinematographer or the person hiring a cinematographer, I don't think that we always think about, like you said, you know, if you're doing too many of the same thing, you, you get that reputation, you know, because we think of that as an actor because everybody sees what that actor is doing. You know, if you're not necessarily researching who the DP was on a project, you might not be aware of that, but yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, in the same way that you really, you're going to build a reputation doing what you do all the time. So if you don't want to be known as the car guy or, you know, the drama guy or whatever, yeah, you got to make sure you're doing all kinds of different things. And then now you also spend a lot of time in LA now as well, right? Yes. So what, did a specific project bring you over here? Was it just spreading your wings? You know, how did you make your way over here? Well, it was after my first, my first film, my first feature film, Bypass, mm -hmm. um, was when I was offered representation internationally by WPA. And, you know, then they, they helped organize the visa and that kind of opened me up to the US market. So it wasn't project specific, but what that enabled was that I was then able to shoot commercials, music videos in the US, um, whether they were for um, European directors traveling over or for, for US directors. Mm. So um, it just kind of opened that whole market. So I started basing out of LA um, for periods each year and, and working with, with directors out there. That said, I, I think as is often the case, you know, most London shoots, most LA shoots, you end up not even shooting in LA or London. You end up traveling to Canada or traveling to Mexico, wherever it might be. So right. um, it just it just acted as another base for me. And it was great to sort of build relationships out there with crew, with directors, um, you know, both professionally and, and, and making friends out there, you know, building a sort of second home. So. Aw, yeah. Do you like the, the LA community out here? I do. I love it. Um, it. It's it's always amazing when I'm over there, just catching up with everybody that that lives there, people I don't see, and it's amazing. Every time I'm there, it feels it is like my second home. And I go and I think oh, I'll be back in a few weeks, and sometimes I'm not back for nine months or a year. You know, you never really know. <laughs> yeah. um, and and sometimes I really am just away for a week or two. It's it's a very unpredictable life as a cinematographer. Um, so it sounds like you are very well-rounded in what you shoot because we're talking about like, you know, not pigeonholing yourself into one project, but is there um, a, a genre or style that you do feel like you do the best and you just love to, like, if there was one thing you could shoot all the time, this would be it? <laughs> well, no. Actually, I, I, I don't think so. I, I, love the I love the variety. I love the diversity of challenges and the diversity of projects. Mm -hmm. I think that the core thing that pulled me into filmmaking in the first place is, is sort of emotive human drama. So I like issues-based films. I like social and political commentary. And I think it's the power of film as a medium that drew me in in the first place. That was the allure of cinema. Mm -hmm. So certainly I'm most content when I'm shooting content that really has purpose beyond entertainment something that transcends entertainment into political and social commentary that for me is what gets me excited yeah. um but at the same time i love the challenge of of the impossibility of challenges sometimes that i'm faced with in commercials of you know shooting high-end car commercials and, and yeah. perfume ads and whiskey ads this kind of thing mm -hmm. i i kind of love that and I, I like the diversity of photographic challenge between those things and for me, it keeps it interesting. It keeps me fresh. And I feel that every different subgenre of cinematography, whether you're shooting liquids, whether you're shooting beauty, whether it's macro, whether it's high speed, 
whether it's aerial, whether it's underwater, there's so many sort of subgenres of cinematography. For me, the more you learn about each one, the more you're learning about light, textures, and sort of storytelling as a whole. So I, I find that all of those different experiences help me. So for example, Black Beauty that I've just obviously wrapped in, in New York and South Africa, um, I was drawing on so much knowledge from shooting cars when I was shooting, you know, a, a, a wet black horse at night, you know, and the, the textures of the horse's coat and the fact that my lead actor is essentially a horse. And you're, you're drawing on the knowledge of, of, of the way I've lit and shaped cars and yeah. products and hi-fis and whatever it might be along my career. You're pulling in knowledge from all of those things that you've done. And so I don't feel that anything, there's never a shoot I've done where I haven't learned something. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're always learning and I, any projects I take, um, I'll, be, I'll be looking for something, you know, what am I going to learn? How am I going to learn? And you're just learning every time you look through a lens anyway. I mean, everything's a, a new experience. I, That's so cool. That's something I wouldn't have even thought of. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you think that you have to maybe be an expert in, in just shooting one thing to be really good, but it sounds like you've, you're really smart about how it, taking different elements from each shoot to be more experienced for the, the next shoot in a way that actually serves you more is what it sounds like to, to be able to have worked on many different kinds of the kinds of settings and shoots mm-hmm. right that, that's, how, that's how I feel about it I mean yeah. I think there's many, there's many schools of thought around that yeah um, but for, for me like I said and you've just sort of concluded is that that idea that all of these different styles and techniques of photography they all they all they all lend to each other they all In a way, influence yeah. each other so yeah rather than feeling like I'm a jack of all trades because I, I feel like you can become that if you are maybe trying to be a cinematographer and an actor and an editor and a writer, you know, I think you're doing very, very different things. But I think within the subgenres of photography, I think they can all lend and they can all help. And it just puts you in a situation where you, you never really know what your next script is going to include. You know, if you're shooting a, if you're shooting a raw sort of period drama or whether you're shooting a, a high concept sci-fi piece, the, the photographic skills needed for those things are extremely different. Right. So if you've got some experience in all of those different approaches, you can sort of draw on that knowledge. That's just my, my thoughts. No, I love that. that. Thank yeah. you. Um, um, for your, go ahead. sorry, just, I'm curious about your, you said your film bypass was the, the one that kind of got you picked up from WPA and, and yes. like hooked it all up. And that was your film. Like, did you write it or produce it? No, 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 no. I was, I, I'm always just a cinematographer. Always a cinematographer. Okay, I was just curious if you did dabble in the other jacks of trades here. <laughs> no, no. So, no. No, I didn't. But it was a, it was a wonderful, first, wonderful first feature for me, uh, directed ah. by Wayne Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lead was George Mackay, um, who's you know, now very famous from being the lead in 1917. Um, oh. So, so he, he's fantastic. And it, it was... It was an amazing journey. It was a very creative film. It was a very unusually, unusually creative film, I think, visually. Um, we really experimented and we were very lucky. We premiered at Venice Film Festival in competition um, and it sort of went on its yes. journey. So it was, a, it was an amazing experience from start That's to awesome. finish. Um, going back to when you first started, you said documentaries were kind of the first thing you did. 
I've been noticing a lot um, because I listen to a lot of other film podcasts as well. And I've been noticing a lot of people kind of got their start in documentaries. Did that just kind of happen because that was the people you knew at the time? Or is there a reason for that? Because I mean, in my mind, I feel like narratives and docs are so like completely different worlds. And I guess they really don't have to be. That's just always kind of how I've looked at it. So I was surprised to hear so many people starting out in that area. No, you're right. You know, there's some there's some very famous cinematographers began in documentary. Um, Sean Bobbitt, Phil Mayhew, Barry Aykroyd. These are all huge names in the cinematography world who started out shooting documentaries and shooting news coverage. And I think for me what it was is being the original allure of cinema and filmmaking, being that kind of visceral storytelling and human dramas, I realised that by by shooting documentaries in the early days, I didn't need this kind of wealth of knowledge of lighting and photographic techniques Mm -hmm. to be able to tell a story, a simple story. I knew that if I had a lens, if I had a camera, I could, I could capture stories that were happening in a very natural way. I could work with very minimal lighting. I could work with a lot of natural light and I could learn in that way. And also tell stories that just could still have the same power of the kind of films that I aspired to make decades later in my career. So it was, uh, I think it was that for me, it was that ability to be able to immediately tell visceral and important stories. Um, true stories, I think, is something else that I've always been drawn to. I, I love, there's something different when I watch a film that is based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, it always grabs me in a much more powerful way. Um, I, I always feel much more affected by those films. And um, again, documentary is real by its very nature. So that's another kind of side of things. Yeah. Is there anything that you haven't done that you would like to do? Any sort of genre or type of film? Ooh. I, I, I think it would be very fun at some point to shoot a horror, nice. uh, really sort of intense psychological horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so interested in kind of just jump scares. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would be interested in doing something that, that's really kind of disturbing, something that gets under your skin. Um, I think that'd be something interesting to do. Um, other than that, no, I'm fairly, fairly content with the, the way sort of things <laughs> are flowing. Um, yeah. yeah. And you might have said this, I can't remember, but how long ago did you first start? Like, how long has this journey been for you? Um, so I graduated in 2006. Okay. So, yeah, 14, 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, not knowing a single person in the industry. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, I'd say the first, the, the first four years were the most brutal I think you know you you do need luck Um, you do need a lot of luck in the industry to really make it there's so much talent out there but at the same time you can it's up to you how many times you're giving yourself the opportunity to be lucky Mm -hmm. you know it's like if you just keep putting yourself out there it's like if you buy a thousand lottery tickets you've got a thousand chances of winning instead of just one you know it's it's like you're just multiplying your your options so I just put myself out there. And I think for every success I've had, there's been 10, 20, 30, 50 failures. And I think that's always the way. And I think I, I, th- I expect that to continue for the rest of my career. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the reality of the film industry. Um, it's very easy, I think, to look from the outside at anyone else's career in the industry and think, oh, they've just, it's all just fallen on a plate for them. Look, they've just gone from this to this to right. this. You, you don't see the, the reality of it. You see the kind of the Instagram shop window. You see this perfect... Exactly facade mm-hmm. of, of life uh, but but the reality is you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of kicking 
uh, <laughs> there's a lot of kicking in the beginning and, and throughout, you know. I mean, in my early days, I was rejected from NFTS in the UK, which is like kind of our most prestigious film school here. Mm. I was rejected twice, uh, two oh, consecutive wow. years. And at that stage, I, with knowing nobody, kind of pouring my way around, trying to get in, I thought that was my only way. I thought if I can, if I can get this level of training from one of the best film schools in the world, that's going to be this kind of foundation for my career. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. But you have to deal with those things. And what it did teach me is that everyone has a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anything, it spurred me on. It's like, well, I'm, I'm going to make this. <laughs> I'm going to do this no matter what. Um, but, it, but it is hard because you feel like, you know, that feeling of failure, that feeling of not being good enough, like I, I, not even getting in the door. Um, it's not like I was accepted, I did the course, I graduated, and then I didn't make it as a cinematographer. It's like I wasn't even allowed to train there. So it's, it's an interesting lesson in the very beginning of, 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 you know, the brutality of the industry. You've just got to keep fighting and keep, keep pushing and you'll find your own way. Yeah, thank you for being honest with that. <laughs> no, you're welcome. I, I didn't need to be, but I, I, yeah. I found like, I don't see, I, I think it probably is a good thing to share. Um, I think so too. Because like you can, there's so many people put in that same position where they don't, yeah, they don't get accepted to the acting school or the, or the whatever workshop. It could be like multiple scenarios where you judge yourself. Am I even like talented? Can I even like, do I have anything to offer here? Because you feel so shut down. Like the fact that you said you did that twice, like, oh my gosh, I think I might've just stopped the first time. Like you went back and, and still tried like, and that's, that's really hard for a person's sometimes overall ego and, and how to even like just mentally work through that sometimes when you are so set on a path to like you clearly like from the start, like you said, once you held that camera and, and found that medium that you wanted to like live in it. But I think that's also probably what pushed you through those, um, those kind of battles of like, okay, am I, am I, am I, can I do this? Can I actually do this? So yeah. what, what are like the, the positive things you think that kind of helped keep propelling you through those hard times? Um, that's interesting. I mean, uh, what, what, what picks you back up? Um, yes, for me, exactly. I was always, I was always, always had this relentless determination. I always yeah. wanted just to keep pushing. I knew that I believed in what I was doing. I believed in the people I was working with, the directors I was working with, the projects I had lined up. There was always something to look forward to. There was always something to push. Um, and I always felt that having, you know, always focusing on the next challenge, the next project always gave me something to sort of fight towards. Um, you know, setting yourself goals, I think is very important, but I think it's important to keep those goals realistic. You know, I remember being at film school and I heard people saying, oh, I want to, I want to shoot my first feature film by the time I'm 25. Um, and I, I want to do my, you know, by the time I'm 30, I want to have an, whatever it might be. They're just fantastical kind of uh goals which are, which are great but I, I was a little bit more realistic about mine I did did say to myself I'd like to shoot my first feature by the time I'm 30 and that that did happen but um I remember you know being 28 29 I was thinking I, I had opportunities I had other opportunities but I think they weren't right and I was never gonna I was never gonna sort of choose the wrong project based on a sort of goal and I think mm-hmm. that's important as well choosing the right projects and I touched on that earlier with your agents but just having the right gut feeling about every project because it lives with you and you, you put so much emotionally 
um, into a long form project, particularly, you want to make oh, yeah. sure that you're doing uh, you're doing it for the right reasons and that you believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention just the hours and hours and hours that you're on set. You know, you better believe in this project or else it's going to be miserable. So, because yeah. it and it does because especially it doesn't just end right at when you film it on set too. Mm-hmm. It's something that there's the whole pre production, the whole post production. You got to live and breathe that project for, for a feature, especially. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's something that I, I think is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wise thing to do. I really like feel like also inside, feel like listen to your gut and, and know if that's something that you want to put yourself through. Because, yeah, you do put yourself through the ringer, but it's beautiful. Like, you know, you go at the end, like it, you create something. You're like, I, I did that and it's a great feeling, but a lot a lot that goes behind the scenes right yeah well david uh tell our listeners where they can see your work and um follow your journey you know any social media handles you want to share all that sort of stuff i'm primarily i'm I'm pretty active on uh instagram Mm -hmm. uh, under the handle david proctor dop uh which is also my handle on twitter and uh my website is davidproctordop.com so between those, it's kind of I keep those fairly up to date um, with you know what I'm doing behind the scenes when I'm shooting and new work as it as it's released. So it's obviously been a little quiet lately. There's not been a whole lot of production <laughs> this year. Um, we all know why. So um, yeah, but but that that that's kind of that's kind of the best the best way to sort of see what I'm up to. And yeah, I, no, I t- we we love your gram. It looks great. So everyone follow him. It's <laughs> it's, it's great. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, as I travel, I tend to I tend to be more active when I'm actually out traveling a lot and shooting more. Um, I keep it fairly up to date with stories and things like that. So it's quite Ooh. fun. Yay. Well, looking <laughs> forward to those days because, yes. you know, we'll get through this hurdle, <laughs> I believe, in the world sometimes. So <laughs> we can get through it. Thank you, David, for coming on, being yes, honest so and much. open with us. Um, that's all we can ever ask for and spilling the tea on production <laughs> and what that's all about. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you listeners, as always, for tuning in. We hope you got some knowledge and inspiration. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 